Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, fellow music nerds. Welcome back to Music Makers and Soul Shakers. I'm your host, Steve Dawson, coming to you from the Hen House Studio in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm a guitarist, songwriter, and producer originally from Vancouver, Canada. I love all aspects of making records. So I thought I'd make a podcast and bring in a slew of folks who've also made records in one way or another and yak about it with them. Each month I'll be bringing you an in-depth conversation with a new guest. It may be a musician, a songwriter, a producer, or an engineer, but each of these people will have a fascinating story to tell about their lives and their involvement in the process of being a music maker and or a soul shaker. Thanks for joining me, and feel free to reach out to me through the podcast website at www.stevedawson.ca. And now, here's another episode of Music Makers and Soul Shakers. Hey folks and music nerds and friends, welcome back to the show. This week is going to be uh, part two of the Dennis Crouch episode that began last week. If you have not heard part one, make sure you go back and check it out. You have to really have heard that part to know what is going on here. Uh, This was a nice long conversation that Dennis and I had, and he was kind enough to bring his bass along. And in this half of the uh, interview, he brings it out and regales us with some stylistic grooviness that only he could do. So that's uh, coming up right here this week. Oh, and one little disclaimer here before we start about the way that Dennis's bass sounds. Uh, I did not mic his bass. I strictly captured him talking and playing with a room or like a vocal mic that that we were speaking into. And uh, I did not put a microphone on the bass. Could have been foolish. I don't know, but I also was the only one here and there was nobody in the control room. So it's just a microphone in the room. That's why it sounds kind of far away or whatever. Uh, There was no attention paid to the sound of the bass. However, it does sound amazing and he's fantastic and all that. But I just wanted to let you know that's what happened. That's why it sounds the way it does. Okay. All right. Onwards. And without further ado, let's hop right in with part two of my conversation with the mighty Dennis Crouch. And over the years, you know, uh, Greg Allman's Low Country Blues, you know, Greg's coming from that blues thing, yeah, having to know how to how to do that, uh-huh. you know, straight into the Elton John stuff, you know, oh Leon Russell, where it's yeah. like, you know, where do you play that? You know, that's what I'm saying. That's right. Ray Ann and Giddens. Yeah, I always say her name wrong, and I apologize for That's that. right, Rhiannon. On that record, there's two bass players on probably six or eight of those songs. and uh, Two bass players playing at once? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah okay. Myself and Paul Paul Court, uh-huh. who, who's just a brilliant young yeah. player. Yeah, he's great. So how, what was that all about? Like, how- Well, it was great. They called, and, and again, um, you know, when Ivy called, she said, we're going to bring in the second bass player, and he's going to play on some of the stuff and you'll play on some of the stuff. And I said, how about if we both play on the stuff? And she said, well, and I said, it'll be great. You know, as long as each other, I feel like we'll respect each other and we're on such different ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And I'd done it via other records. A lot of times like Edgar Meyer would come in and overdub on something that I'd already done or okay. vice versa. Yeah. And it always had worked. And I thought if anybody's going to, 
get this, it'll be T-ball. You know, <laughs> yeah. he, so that was your idea. It was all our idea, <laughs> you know. But Ivy had asked, she said, on the days that Paul comes in, you'll just have the day off and can goof off in Los Angeles. And I'm going, hell, I don't want to drive around in Los Angeles. Yeah, man. Give me something to do. Put me you in, know? Coach. My God. You know, we start doing it. We're in the same booth. Really? Pretty much shoulder to shoulder, you know. Wow. We both got 47s, Norman 47s, and, and uh, U47s. Yeah. And I've got that and the um, my RCA, or maybe it was Mike's. But anyway, there's like a, a 44, 44. Okay. RCA yeah. 44 also in there also, you know. For the both of you? Like in between you maybe or something? No, or? more on, on, on me, you know, because... So when you do that, which is like, that's something that you dig, do you put, like, are they both side by side, capsule to cap, well, ribbon to capsule, or are they micing stacked. different parts of the base? Okay. They're yeah. stacked. Yeah. No, I'm never going to put it in front of the, uh, the F hole, so to right. speak. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll angle it in or put it in front of the bridge. Yeah. You know, go anywhere from a foot and a half to three feet away. Yeah. If it needs to be more orchestrated. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely will back up to do like real short pluck, you know, if I think there's going to be string parts, just right. so I feel like I'm part of the bass section. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then maybe go back and play a part mm-hmm. that's more up front. With Paul, both of us had to be cautious. I dig in a lot harder than Paul. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm. it's just our, it's the way we play and yeah. where we came from and where we come from. Yeah. Paul's more of an arco. Right. You know, solo tuning. So, and he's like a, he's studied with Edgar, I think, right? Yeah. 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 When we would start playing, you know, I'm backing off, you know, to give him room. Yeah. He's backing off to give me room, <laughs> but we're watching each other. And it's yeah. one, and, and Jay's in this mix too. And is Paul strictly on Arco or? No. Okay. So, yeah. No. One of my favorite things that I've ever got to do was on that record. Uh huh. And she cut a song, a Nina Simone song that T-Bone had brought to the table, or maybe she had. But it's a, a song called uh, Tomorrow Is My Turn. Okay. And uh, Paul's doing the Arco stuff. Yeah. Legit string parts. Right. I'm doing all, you know, I'm, I'm playing the bass. Yeah. But I've seen, and, and we'd already worked out a deal, you know, where it's like, Paul, man, if you feel like, if you feel like you want to be the bass player. Yeah. Just give me a look. <laughs> You know, yeah. I'm not opposed to, and, and I'll, I'll go up and play thirds to you or, or minor, whatever needs to happen. Yeah. Well, somewhere in the middle of this song, he must've felt the spirit move him, you know, but I seen lowering his bow, you know, and I'm sort of looking over at him and I see his hands come up and I thought, well, here we go. He's wanting to be the bass player. So right in the middle of the song, we switch parts. Whoa. You know? And you go to Arco? Not at this point. Okay. You know, but I see him, you know, with the solo tuning, it's brilliant, you know, because all of a sudden it becomes another layer. Yeah. So I just start playing all of, I become like a guitar player to him. Okay. You know, he becomes the boom, boom guy, and I'm just playing like whole notes or half notes wherever I feel that's going to make his notes sound better. Yeah. You know, so he starts out on Arco and I end the song on our crazy. And but the deal is, is if the listener's listening, if they don't know, they'll never hear the switch. That's but amazing. Once you do know, but this is all going down live. Oh, like all of us live. Okay, all, yeah. It's as live as you can get. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you're you're both on the whole record, not the whole record. You okay. know, I played, you know, the slap parts, and and I'm a hillbilly, so <laughs> I can say this legitimately. <laughs> But I'm the long hillbilly on the record, uh-huh. Paul. And we're both on the milk carton kids. Oh, you are? Okay. Oh, yeah. Both yeah. of us were tracking on probably the same amount. I would say five, maybe six songs Yeah, we're, we're live on. Yeah. Tracking live. Well, same kind of situation where he's same. generally on Arco and you're yeah. on your, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and on that session, Paul was right in front of me. Yeah. So I, I could definitely see what he was doing at that point. But it just works for us. And that was Joe Henry producing that. Joe Henry produced yeah. that. And, yeah. and was he directive with you guys about who was doing what? Or, or 
how that all went down. No, uh, Joe's from the T-Bone Burnett school. Yeah, totally. Straight out of it. So. so whose idea was it to have the both of you on that? Well, I really wanted to do it. You did? Okay. And Paul at that point, I, I want to feel that Paul really enjoys it too. You yeah, know? Well, I'm and, sure. And uh, So you've done some Willie Nelson stuff recently. What else have you done together in the last year or two? Sarah Bareilles. Yeah. So tell me about that gig. So that's like taking up a bunch of your time these days. Yeah. Yeah. That's man, what going gangbusters. The recording itself was so great, man. Cause, um, you know, it was a two week thing for me, but the first week was Jim Keltner. Oh, okay. Just Jim. Yeah. Uh, Jay was out with Allison Krauss. Yeah. Who produced the new Sarah Bareilles? Is that T-Bone? T-Bone. Okay. You know, so I had Jim one week. And Jay came in the second week. Not never together. Never together. Okay. And it was so brilliant, you know, because I got to hear them individually. Yeah. Very the, different drummers. Very different drummers. One side of the coin is very different. The other side of the coin is it's a lot of the same. I loved it. Yeah, I bet you did. I loved yeah. it, you know. I it mean, doesn't he, get any better. Like no, it's, it's the no. two greatest modern drummers of all time. Yeah. Like it's just incredible. And Jim, for some reason, man, we Tell me, tell me about the difference for you as a bass player between those two guys. Jim, you know, Jim is Jim thinks of things as as more of a traditional drummer. Not saying Jay isn't, but I'm talking about as far as a drummer sitting down behind a trap and going, "Okay, here's a hi hat, here's your cymbals." But Jim's a lyric guy too, right? And a jazz drummer, you know. So I I definitely think of Jim as being more of a drummer. Yeah, and it. With Jay, Jay more of a percussion. Yeah, yeah, Jay is the guy that's, you know, same deal, but there's not going to be a hi-hat most exactly. of the time. Exactly, yeah. So that information is and going to come which, via a shaker. Yeah, because it frees up. He's got an extra limb that most yeah. drummers don't have where he's not dealing with the hi-hat. And it'll come from his feet. His information is going to come. Yeah. And, and I say it's going to come from his feet because he's normally got shakers strapped, strapped to, to him. him. Yeah. When I think of Jim... And his drumming, I always know I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get the information I need from him mm-hmm. via upstairs. You know, being upstairs, drums, toms, oh, hi hat, cymbals. Yeah. But with Jay, I feel like I get all the information I need via his limbs. Okay. Whether rather it's a a, a shaker or a you know a cymbal. Yeah. Or a, a tom. Yeah. A floor tom. Mm-hmm. So that record was spread out over a couple of weeks. You had a week with Jim, a week with I had Jay, a week Jason, with a, Jim and Mark Rebo. Amazing. And I had a week with Jay Bella Rose and Blake Mills. Nice. You know, it was like, holy yeah. cow. This is so great, man. Yeah. And T-Bone playing guitar, too. Okay. And was Sarah pretty, like she's a great singer and stuff, but was she experimenting much with the songs or were, were they, was that stuff all really worked out? There was a song in? we cut called St. Honesty uh-huh. that we all cut live with, that was with um, Jay and Blake Mills yeah, and T-Bone. That is bare bone. That's live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to say it was an experiment. It was an experience Yeah, for her. You know, and for us also. Is she not used to working that way? No. Okay. No, I mean, she, you know, her her older records are... Really produced. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, very slick and pop-oriented, and I mean that very respectful. Sure. The, those records are great. And I don't want to get myself in... You don't want to get you don't no. want to get fired here. No. <laughs> it's better. They just got, No, it. I'm not saying better. I, uh, uh, <laughs> The teeth go deeper, I guess. Right. You know, yeah. it's more. Yeah, and she seems to have really responded to it, and like she did respond yeah, to it, you know. Yeah. But again, that's one of the deals where it's a new artist coming in, and uh, we have a thing that we do, and she had, you know, it's a give and take mm-hmm. with respect on both sides. Yeah, and that's when it's going to work. All right. whatever record, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's when it'll work. You just got to respect each. If everyone's respecting each other then it's going to work and there's a prime example of someone phrasing man she phrases so great yeah i, I don't i'm not familiar enough with her work i mean i know the record I wasn't you guys either. did and yeah. yeah the same here so you had to kind of learn her vibe as you were going to man i'm a firm believer and when someone walks 
that's where that's where they that's where they fill the dance. Yeah, you know, and uh, so I had to learn where she dances. Yeah, and that, it didn't take long. Yeah, you figured it out. You know, but that's another deal. That man, I I love where she phrases. And Jay and I just recently went out and done some live dates with her. We were doing the song "Saint Honesty." Yeah. You know, for TV, there's a deal where it's like, man, this has got to be two minutes and 46 seconds. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, we can cut this up, but we got to speed up. Got to speed the song up. Well, hell, we would speed the song up. We wouldn't last three bars. (laughs) 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 You know, we're sitting there. Man, it could go. You're just sitting right back where it belongs. (laughs) As soon as she'd open her mouth, and I'm sitting there going, man, that's where... We're all going to dance right here. Yeah. You know, yeah. sure, let's tell them we're going to make it two minutes and 40, <laughs> 46 seconds long. But when the cameras are rolling, you're just going to sink. They're going to have to roll right into a commercial because yeah. we're only going to be about three quarters of the way through the song. Yeah. And it happened every time. We just laugh about it. There's nothing <laughs> we could do. It's just the way she is. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's the way we are too, you yeah, know? Totally. But the two of us, I mean, we're going to follow the singer. So it's not going to matter. Yeah, it's not going to matter if she wants to. If she's phrasing out in front, more than likely we're going to go there. Yeah, man. If everyone is breathing the same, the end results won't be good. Yeah, ninety-five percent of it is casting the right characters. The stuff that we've done with uh, yourself and Jamie Dick. Yeah, and Matt and Amy is the same thing. Totally, we're all breathing the same, you know. Yeah, and that that stuff was live, so we're all sharing the same time. Yeah, you know. You're sharing your time with my mic. And yeah. My bass is sharing time with yeah, your mic. Yeah, no, there's no lying about it. No, <laughs> no. But it either works or it doesn't. I think we all respect each other tremendously, so. you know, and and, um, and that made it work. Well, not being on headphones, too, makes you play in a certain way. that Absolutely. Where you have to react to the room more than anything else. Yeah. Man, that's a huge part of, of all of it. Playing live or in a studio, too, you know, is... Um, you know, even under headphones, whatever the situation is, you you need to know the room. Do you mind showing me a couple of things? Like, I have a couple of specific sure. base base questions. But I was wondering if you could if you could maybe tell me a little bit about your whole relationship with with the gut string bass and the feel, and and just sort of give me a, a couple of examples of what that makes you do, like as a player. Well, I'm so used to it, you know. Yeah. Um, have, have you always played with gut? Yeah, I've always been a, a gut and string guy. And you use the top, the top two strings are gut, the, the and, bottom and, uh, two. And um, the A and E are gut also. Oh, they are? Okay. They're just wrapped in really tight silver. These are half wound. Okay. You know, A and E. Yeah. Gut core. So what is it about gut? All of this is only my opinion. Okay. You know. That's why I, I that's like why how here. the note, there's no direct note. Yeah. Like with a steel string or an electric bass. You hit it, and you get the note right there. It's, it's, it's immediate. But with these gut strings, your note isn't going to... It's not really going to develop until it's about, you know, for me, a good solid really three or four feet away. Ah, okay. But probably at about seven or eight is where I feel like the peak, where the true bloom of the note is. Right. You know, and the, the example is you're setting, I don't know, four feet away. Yeah. But... I'm going to hear the note the way I hear, yeah. but you'll hear the bloom as it gets to you. You know, and, yeah. and as it should be down here, you know, because it's so, you know, but that note's going on back to the room. Yeah, yeah. But I can play them short, you know. For me, the the gut, you know, if I was in four, it could, I can let them ring where it's like... play them you know i could play the same thing like a, a, a wash tub yeah or a tuba part where they can be short and again, so how do you how do you do that i can mute it with uh the side of my hand my right uh, hand okay. and, and lift it lift the note up okay with the uh, can you show me some of that yeah yeah so it'd be like a So that's sort of the 
the side of that's, your index that's finger. Gravity. And muting down here. So your index finger is like your mute, and your middle finger becomes yeah, and, your plucking. And, but as you get into the, uh, as you get into the noted hand, yeah, you can raise them right here. So you know, if I let it go right there, you know, if I raise, if I raise the left hand, it can mute too. So it can be like a. Yeah. You know, so that's right, some more staccato. But, but if you got if you got both hands working together, then it can be like a. You know, like a. But also, if you're muting, there are certain times that I can get a weird harmonic. Yeah, sort of like I would on a pedal steel. Almost. Same like, thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like like a like on a pedal that that I'm glad you brought that up because you know with the pedal steel, you guys are working. You're working two arms, two hands, two feet, <laughs> and two knees. <laughs> but with all that being said, behind the bar, yeah, behind your bar, you've got all these wonderful overtones. Yeah. Yeah. That can just be great, mm -hmm. you know. Well, in my mind, it's the same thing with these guys, right? And so I, I can get these notes. And, you know, there's not, but there's no note there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But there's a harmonic way up high. Yeah. It can be anything, you know. And if you're playing short notes, yeah. So that when you do stuff like that, you're more, you're more just that you're muting with your left both hand. hands, both, both hands. hands. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's not a lot of call that that happens, but there there are times that that the lyric. The right. other deal was uh, we done a movie called I Walked the Line. Yeah. And I spent hours watching footage of the original bass player, Marshall yep. Grant. God, now I'm drawing a blank. Luther Perkins. Luther Perkins, yeah. You know, but the whole boom chicka boom chicka thing that Cash had going has been, in my mind, in the early days, it's been so bastardized today. Totally. And I love slap bass. Yeah. But Marshall wasn't doing what people think nowadays. You know, that was a combination between Cowboy Jack you know, when Cowboy Jack was playing the guitar, or Johnny, yeah. you know, putting that dollar bill or piece of paper. And no offense to him, but Marshall, you know, he so, never played any bass, so he, he wasn't doing this. And when that movie started, it was like, oh, man. You know, I spent hours and hours listening and digging up whatever footage, and he was actually, there was no drummer. So Marshall, you know, he's just doing what he feels. Yeah. And so it's the note. Same as what the snare would do. Yeah. So that's where Jay, that's where a lot of stuff started getting incorporated into what we do. Okay. You know, so where Jay would, you know, he's doing stuff and I'm reacting too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or, or skipping beats, mm -hmm. you know. It's still all, you know, the time is always going to be here. Right, right. Is that something that you had to, like, really work on to get down to the point where you don't think about it anymore and it's yeah, just it's natural? Still, yeah, it's yeah. just got to happen, you know. Yeah. But that thing, because you can get the triplets there. Can you show me what you mean by that? That's you know, so, so cool. if you put that in a track, yeah, it can become an illusion that you don't know what's just happened. You don't know exactly where it's coming from because you're hearing that note. Right. Where's this? Going? It sounds like a delay almost or something. It is. Yeah. And if it's if it's timed right again, you know, depending on where you're miking. Yeah. You know, at this distance, I mean, we're miked a, 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 a good distance away and fairly high, so yeah. You know, that delay should be there. Right. Yeah. You know, so if you set that with reverb and everything. Yeah. And then if you got the drummer on the same page, there you go. That, that's the track right there. You know, and then yourself, if you, because you're you're basically playing a percussive thing too at times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so all of that married together can become a deal. If you isolate it down, it's one of the ugliest things you've ever heard in your <laughs> yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It has to triangulate with everybody it does, doing their you thing. Know, yeah. At the end of the day, that's what it should be. 
our favorite records are just ugly. Oh, yeah, I know. You know, know. all of us, and, and if we isolate them down, you know, James Jamerson, Bob Moore, guys that we talked about earlier. Yeah. A lot of times they're not even playing a note. You what, know, they're what do playing you mean? Ghost. Like, Bob, and, and Bob, man, he took me under his wing yeah. when I got to town. And uh, he showed me how to pull the string. Can you, you know? sh- can you show me and, some things and, that he would have showed you? Well, and I've told Bob. I told him, you know, I called him one night and I said, look, man, I've got, you know, my dad. I, I, I've got the family and everything. But as far as like a musical, you know, and T-Bone Burnett, I told him the same thing. Yeah. You know, as far as having a musical dad or a musical father, it would be Bob Moore and T-Bone Burnett. For yeah. Me. Yeah. Those are the guys. But yeah, Bob... You know, just showed me how to dig. Yeah, but it's not. You know, with these gut strings, you can't dig down. You was he a, was he a gut string player? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, because if you dig down, then you're going to get like a. You know. Uh-huh. And to me, you don't. There's a there should be a pick on the top of the you know like a. Right. But it should come from there. You know, it should. Okay. The attack should be at the front instead of going. You know, if you go down like that and you play these strings hard, you lose the purpose of, you know. Uh-huh. But if you let it go like that, it becomes. It's almost like when you pick, you're hitting not just the point where you're picking, but you're almost your entire finger hits that string. It, as it should. Okay. As it should, you know. So it's more and, fleshy. And it can, Yes, it should be all the flesh. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then if you get down. Yeah. You know, and that's, it should be that. But there's times that it can be live. Yeah, of course. Even that projects so incredibly well. Yeah, that's the deal. It's knowing on the song, you know. Uh, Were there other hallmarks of, of Bob Moore's playing that, that you love? Yeah, like the shuffle and now getting to the ghost notes of like Jamerson and Duck Don would do them. Bob's a master and, and Billy Lenneman, who we yeah. talked about. But with Billy and Bob and going to the country shuffle, Yeah. you know, I mean... So guys, now, you know, a lot of times you just hear the And what was great about Bob is he would play all the way up and then all the way. Okay. But it's the things that he played in between the ghost, which would go to Jamerson also, the example being. some of the Motown. Yeah. Jamerson's doing the... You know, yeah, the, yeah. there's nothing there. It's just... I see what you mean. Okay. Wicked. And I totally ripped off Jamerson on a, one of T-Bone's a song called Palestine, Texas. But I was definitely trying to channel him. I remember on that song. And it was a... how you want to phrase it yeah yeah you know but in my mind if, if we got that you know that, that's your rhythm it's up to us to make it in between Between second and third grade kid, all of a sudden here's Rose Garden, uh-huh. you know, and I man, I can still it's like that intro. And my dad used to just I know he wanted to just tear my ass up. 
but he had a Pontiac and it had a Philco radio in it. Yeah. And I would go out and lay in the front seat and I could hear all the bass parts yeah. on that radio. And I'd lay in there and listen to that radio and then he'd come out and get ready to go somewhere and the car battery would be dead. Yeah. You know? But that's where I could hear the bass parts. And man, I just remember hearing that. just makes the whole thing and it, it makes it go to a new area yeah you know yeah. versus if he had to just play totally different you know so i feel like as a bass player that's our job right is to find what makes that person yeah what's going to make that singer tick i knew with robert plant he's coming from a real heavy bass player world yeah what <laughs> you know i'll say i mean that's there's there's a bar level. And I knew that certainly going in. I knew it with Allison having Barry Bells. Uh-huh. Barry's such a wonderful player. Yeah. You know, and in my mind I'm thinking, well, they're coming from two really great bases, you know, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to find a bridge in between. The yeah, two. I think Jay felt like that with Robert Plant, especially because he was like how? Jay's coming from the same world, you know, and we're going, Man, how are we make this thing work? You know, I mean what are we gonna but we have to figure out how what's going to make them sing better yeah. and sound better. So we're coming up, and and they they respond to us. So as a as an upright player, when you when you throw in some of the um, the slap stuff that you do, that's something that seems to have gotten lost somehow to me as an art form in in translation somehow. Like it's sort of become like a showy kind of thing or something. And and, and I'm with you. It's the same. I, I feel the same exact way. It, it it like it seems to me like you put it in in a musical way where you know maybe it plays off what the drummer's doing or something it's not like you're do, you're saying like okay now I'm going to slap and it's going to be like a big moment or in the show or something yeah, like that yeah look at me moment yeah yeah um can you just tell me a bit about that technique and maybe where it came from and and how you how you incorporate it into your playing yeah i you know again i don't know where marshall would have gotten that. Maybe Johnny got was it. Was he the first guy to do it? I, I can't say that he was. I, probably okay. not, you yeah. know. And those guys were in Memphis. Yeah. So you got to think, they're hearing a lot, the old black blues, and yeah. I want to think they're seeing it. Certainly, Bill Street was a different street back then. then. Yeah. That, and a lot of that goes back to uh, Willie Dixon. Yeah. On those uh, Chicago records. Yeah, he would have been doing it a bit, I guess, back in those and, days, uh, with the lack of a drummer in some situations. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The old guy from New Orleans that played on the really early jazz records, Pops Foster, uh-huh. was playing a lot of it. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay. And, and then in this city, there was a guy, Joe Zinkin. Yeah. That was a brilliant slap bass player. And um, Ernie Newton and Lightning Chance were the guys that had the, uh, the snare the on the side on of the yeah. bass. Yeah. So I assume Marshall would have been hearing that. Right. You know, they wouldn't have seen it back then. Yeah. But they were certainly hearing. And the same for me when I was a kid. I, I could only visualize what I was hearing. But I didn't know how they were doing it. You right. know, so they... 
I'm sure he just incorporated, but yeah, that whole. And it can, you know, I mean, think about it. Um, whatever song, what's one of those? I've, I've walked a line, you know? Yeah. And he never played walk-ups or anything during that period. Just straight bass notes. One, one five, five, one five, yeah. one five. Yeah. You know, I come from the world where you're not supposed to do that. Right. You know, in my world, it would be like... Yeah. You know? Yeah. He didn't do that. He, and so I wanted was, to honor that, you right, know? Right, right. And, uh, and he called me and thanked me for doing that. Really? It's one of the greatest calls I ever got in my life. No kidding. He said when he heard that sound, first of all, he said, I went and seen the movie. I thought it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding the phone going, man, this isn't going this to isn't end going well. well. <laughs> and he said, but I got the soundtrack, and I was driving down the interstate, and I pulled on, over on the interstate, and I cried like a baby. Wow. And he said, you're one of the first guys that got it. You so know, explain to me what it is that, that makes it different. Uh, it's the note and the... It's the snare after. Right, yeah. Same yeah, thing okay. those guys would have been doing. But instead of a slap where you're, you know, it's a pluck slap at the same time. And, then you're, you and know, how do you do the pluck slap? That's just a really hard, you're, yeah, you're just digging pulling, in. And, yeah, pulling the string. Yeah. You know, and then coming back and, and doing this. Yeah. You know? Which is great on its own. Yeah. But that stuff, the Tennessee 2... It was it was a pluck, you know, place where the snare would be. Right. You know, boom, ch boom, yeah. Ch yeah. That's the boom chicka, boom chicka that they talk about. Yeah. You know? That's just singles, and then you can double it, or you can triple. And then the other is if you slap, and then some of the old guys would use the palm of their hands. You know, Willie Dixon, going back to their old blues stuff, yeah. he was a plucker straight down the pipe. You know, so... Uh, yeah, he really dug in hard, yeah. right? Like he, strings that he probably oh would yeah, have. yeah 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 for sure yeah and then uh wellman broad the guy uh from uh duke ellington played on the old duke ellington yeah. record he was more of a more of a jazz you know uh, he was a jazz bass player but back in those days there was no amp yeah and they're they're all competing right <laughs> <laughs> you know so i mean it, it would be furious man of a Those guys would get triplets, and uh, by scraping across the strings. Yeah, they could get it with the palm of their hand. And so you get the trip. Oh, oh, like you know? palm fingers. Yeah. coming yeah. you know yeah but it, for me it's a pick and choose your battles <laughs> yeah that's not going to work in every situation it's not going to yeah. work but there's times, but having it at your disposal is an amazing thing it's a good thing to have yeah in a bag of tricks yeah you know so with jay um there would be times and, and there's still those times that that illusion you know if, if where who, who's doing what that's what i as a listener as a like a nerdy like full-on listener I can't tell 
if that's it's, you or if it's Jay. Yeah. And who and gives a shit, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Because they're. I mean, but I still want to know. Yeah. Well, that's the deal. I mean, I might be going like this, you know, or. Uh, And he might be over there just going. Yeah. Not that we would ever play that groove, but I mean, if that was yeah. it, you know. When he's letting up to go somewhere else. Yeah. But at that moment, the ear has never really left the click. Yeah. So it might only be twice. Right. You know, and then he might lift up off of it and go into, he might be the guy that's doing, his foot might become that. Yeah. You know, or or those low toms that he's got. And if it happens and I'm watching and listening, then I'm responding. Yeah. can become that yeah yeah the deal is is let it be a mask and that's where t-bone Prasante, gavin jason that all comes into play yeah 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 of course and then the thing like with um the two bass players or with paul you know and, and if it's the right song and you know e minor a minor whatever it is if he's doing all the arco and it's pretty and you got yeah. the someone singing as beautiful as she sings you know it's bottom and that's going to be either one of our parts but if he becomes this guy yeah then I'm, I'm going to be the become a, a bass section at that time yeah you know so if you got awesome. the guys on the same page and, yeah beautiful you know but that that's how that works what what can you tell me about your bass that, that that's incredible sounding instrument yeah man i'm you know going back to that that kid yeah i always heard this this sound yeah and um and i've got some really incredible instruments you know, I've I've got I've got the sits that will stay that I won't get rid of ever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my kids, my wife may sell them <laughs> after I'm gone. But this is is this a main one for you? But this particular instrument is the main the main instrument, and it's um it was built in 1830. Yeah. And it's a seven eighths, a full full cut. Seven eighths bass, and it was it was made in Tyrolean. It's a Tyrolean instrument, which is um back you know hundreds of years ago. It was that region mm-hmm. that uh, where Germany, Italy, and Austria where they meet. all meet. Yeah. So the green on the top of it. I mean, you can see how wide it is. Yeah. So this is. I can only assume this wood is from fifteen, maybe sixteen hundreds. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. What's what's the make of it? Is there is that it... is a Tyrolean? There's, oh, okay. there's no there was no name or anything that we could find. Oh, you know, but you, I mean, you can. Did you get it, it here in Nashville? No, a guy named Ron Shuffler over in North Carolina had contacted me, and uh, you know, he knew I was looking for like a seven eight. Yeah, 
and I was over there with Tim O'Brien. Uh-huh. We were playing at a club over there, and, and Ron brought this bass out. We met in a parking lot. <laughs> That's how every good deal oh, goes down. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like two Irishmen walk into a bar <laughs> with two bass players meet in the parking lot. And he drags this thing out. You know, I mean, it primarily looked like it looked now. Yeah. But I hit I remember hitting the A string, you know. This note, for me, this note and these note, that note. That says it all. Yeah. These two I can make work. <laughs> <laughs> But I hit, man, I hit that note, and it was it was more mute, you know, yeah. just because it has so much stuff. But I thought, man, the guts are there. Yeah. The bones are there. So I bought it, bring it back to town, went down to the bass shop, Williams uh, Bass Shop. Oh, At that right. time, it was on 16th Avenue. Yeah. And there was an older guy had retired out of the symphony, uh-huh. bass player out of the symphony named Jack Phelps. And I took this bass in. Dustin brings out the uh, magnet, and he says, let's see if there's any uh, metal in the top of it. And he gets like a foot away, and it's like taking a, a car to the car crusher or something. <laughs> it just started going, you know, it was sticking all over the base. From what? Nails. Really? Which I hadn't looked close enough to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I leave the base. Jack has just started down there, so he's going to be the guy. So you mean somebody's like... Someone had nailed this thing all to pieces. So about two days later, I get a call from Dustin. He says, I got good news and I got bad news. And I said, well, give me the good news. And uh, I said, give me uh, what's the bad news? He said, well, there's a lot of nails in the thing. (laughs) And there was like a solid picture frame that was nailed in to the back of it. Like like a, a, a an eight by ten wood picture frame Why? nailed and and there was a pine like pieces of four by four pine that I'd never looked that was just nailed in this thing. <laughs> That's crazy. He says so. We've dug out a lot of that wood. Yeah. You know the picture frame and the pine <laughs> two befores. Picture and, frame in there. <laughs> and, uh, he said, you know, uh, with all that stuff missing, you know the tone's gonna gonna change. And I said, well, yeah, but probably for the better, right? And he says, oh, well, yeah, one can hold. And I said, well, hell, what's the good news? And he said, oh, well, it's gonna be about 20 pounds lighter. Wow, <laughs> holy shit. So Jack takes this thing apart and he starts rebuilding it. Yeah. And he calls me about a day before, you know, he's gonna string it up. Yeah. And he says, what do you hear in your head when you hear bass? And I said, oh, man, go back and listen to the 1950s, you know. And I used Ella yeah. Bray and, uh, and, or Bob Moore or, you know, go back. I want that sound, you know. And I could tell Jack wasn't quite in tune to that. Okay. You know, and he's more from the symphonic world. Yeah. And, I, and I understand. I said, Jack, man. Really, what I the best way I can explain what I hear in my head is walk to the window. And he, okay, I'm at the window. And I said, look up in the sky. And he said, okay, I'm looking up. And I said, find the biggest cloud you can find in the, in the sky. And he says, okay, I see. And I said, you see how big and puffy it is? And he went, yeah. And I said, I want my note to be like that. Yeah. And he said, oh, okay. <laughs> so I went the next day, and it was leaned up in a corner. And I grabbed it. And I played the A note first. Jack was like, set him where you are. And I hit that note, and I just sort of went, oh, God, he got it. Wow. And I looked over at Jack, and he was crying. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And that became this instrument, you know. Incredible. And I named. So you've had it for for 20 years? Man, I wanted it. I got it around the time we were going to be doing Raising Sand. And it wasn't ready for it. Yeah. So it actually went under about a year and a half or two restoration. Oh, okay, that long. So I got it around 2010. And I want to think the first record that it made an appearance on would have been um, for Elvis Costello called Sulfur to Sugar Cane. Yeah. Sort of an acoustic record. Yeah. And uh, this made probably half of it, or maybe all of it. That would have been probably as its first appearance was okay. that record. But again, I got to pick and choose the battles because it's so, it can be so big. Right. 
you know. So you have different bases that are more appropriate for other situations. Yeah, when I was with Diana Crawl, she liked this base. It's like a little, it's a little three-quarter size, you know, flat back German base. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, I hate backtracking, but to, to backtrack, when uh, Johnny Cash was doing American Six, yeah, he loved this bass. You know, that that little small bass, and I don't know if it was a, and it is a beautiful instrument, but maybe it triggered a, a memory Connected. for him or yeah. something. You yeah. know, it's got the old tuning knobs, and, and at that time it didn't sound really that great. Huh. But that's the bass I always took. Because I knew he liked that bass. Hey, you gotta you gotta please Johnny, man. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, but shortly after Johnny passed away, the bass it just went downhill. I mean, it just really. I don't know. It, it, it and it was beginning to deteriorate then the sound and everything. So I had it rebuilt and fast forward up to five six years back, and I'd taken that bass in on a on a Diana Crawl record. She just loved the way it sounded. Yeah. I don't know. She liked that bass, but I wouldn't take it on the road. <laughs> really? And I toured with her for five years, but yeah. I only took that bass on one tour and I was scared every day. Really? You know, because it's, it's more brittle than this one. Oh, okay. But those guys, a guy named Randy Hunt, Jack started that bass, Randy finished it. Okay. But I've got an assortment of them, yeah. you know. Uh, I've got one that lives in Los Angeles at... Oh, you do? Okay, that's handy. That, uh, you know... For sessions out there. Yeah. yeah. I, I've used it on uh, Sarah Bareilles' record, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Ran and Giddens. That's your L.A. bass. Yeah. And I use some of... I use that bass on some of Walk the Line just because... Oh, yeah. I knew um, Johnny, I should Johnny like liked that it. bass, yeah. too, you know. But I didn't really use it... I didn't use it as the... As the primary bass, mm-hmm. I would, I would detune it, you know, because once Marshall, once they did get up to a certain stage of the the whole Johnny Cash thing, he did actually start. He did actually start doing that. Okay. You know, I mean, that did become his thing. I would go in and play, play these parts, and then detune the string to yeah. nothing. Just. Make it to that, and just go in. Really? Yeah. So I would just go in and do that with the bass, just detune it. And as an overdub. As an overdub. Oh. You know why? I, I wanted the note. Yeah. Sure, I understand. And and being being a movie, you know, and in a theater was you know five point one or whatever the yeah. system is. You know, you're gonna want. You're gonna want. Yeah. You're gonna want that note to pop out, but but if if you're doing this, you're losing half of the note. Right. You're just mainly getting that. Yeah. You know. So I would go in and give them the note. So they could control the level between. And then that way, yeah. I mean, you're you're into the engineering thing, and you're doing this. Yeah. You can set that wherever you want. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah, during some of those overdubs, yeah, during the overdub period, T Bone would send stuff to town, and even now, if somebody does, and I give them two or three passes, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, want to be a plug, want to be a mock slap, yeah, and then maybe they'll be a, a, a true slap, right. You know, and then it's like, here it is. Yeah. You guys can pick and choose or use all three parts. Uh-huh. You know, it's up to you. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that's the deal, you know. When Bob took me under his wing, I meant to say this a while ago, man, I hate to backtrack. but <laughs> You know, Bob showed me how to pull the string and everything, but one of the first things that he told me was, uh, he said, learn how to play every bass you ever encounter. You know, and when he said that, I'm sitting there going, what the hell is that? What? Okay. But it didn't really sink in yeah. until I started traveling more. And I was encountering different instruments. And I got what he meant. You know, mm-hmm. if it does have steel strings on it. Be able to play it. Be able to play it, but it's still got to become you. Yeah. It's still got to be your hands. Yeah. You know, and you still got to sound like you sound. 
you know, and then as much as I love all those guys, I can't play like them. As much as I want to, I can't. But that's great, though. Yeah, I think it, it, every musician... People want you to sound like Dennis Crouch. Should You've got to find a personality, you yeah, know, and your yeah. personality should come through. Yeah. And I think it's a day-to-day. If you're having a bad day, man, there's nothing... There's nothing better to vent mm-hmm. than to go in and you Did can you let know. it all go here, yeah. you know, yeah. on whatever instrument you're doing, you yeah. know. Well, we're both slide players in <laughs> one <right>. sense. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fret to speak of between yeah. us. This bass to me is what Roy Husky's yeah. was to him. I know Bob had this old black bass that he used, right. you know, as he called the king of the road bass. Yeah. You know, uh, Junior Husky had this old Gretsch bass that sort of became his defining sound. and You know, each guy. And that's yours. And, and all of us have assortments of, you know? Yeah, yeah. But you're always going to draw back to... Yeah, the one that you feel like home Yeah, your, yeah, your yeah. thing. That's the deal. Figure out where the... Figure out where the string length, and there it is. It's like, yeah. okay, I know... I got it. Let's go. You know, and that's, you know, what note's going to pop out? You know, is it going to be like a... Right. You know, and if it is, and I've got to go... Right. You know, to compensate. Yeah. And parts of me love that because it's going to make me play different, think different too, you know. Jay's on different drums, you know. He's probably not very pleased about that. Well, (laughs) yes and no. He knows a guy out there that... Knows his sound. Yeah. So Jay was a little better off than yeah. than I was, you know, because he actually got like stuff from okay from his vintage. His and, guy. Yeah. And um, you know, with if it wasn't calfskin heads, they were a nice mock up yeah. of you know. And I'm staring at something that's really shiny yeah. strings and everything. You know, strings. Going, oh, <laughs> you know. What about me? <laughs> But we're sitting there shoulder to shoulder, laughing our ass off, yeah, and uh, and bitching about everything else and everyone else. Sure, that's what you do, right? <laughs> oh man, it's great because we're the same age, man. Yeah, he's a, I think he's about three or four months older than I am. Oh, but, okay, well, but we're coming from the same era. Yeah, sure. And uh, we watch the same TV shows and yeah. everything. So, man, we're just a kindred spirit. You are to be so different. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm 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 the hillbilly from Arkansas. I grew up in the middle of Arkansas in, the, in a town that's got 289 people, and Holy he's coming shit. from Maine. Yeah. You know, I, I, we're in a Baptist Bible Belt. Man, yeah. we're on a wave, and we've been on a wave, and it's it's great. It's a good thing. You know, because yeah. we just again wherever we left off, you know, with Jay, where we left off with Sarah. A couple of weeks back, if it's a year down the road, It'll be, it'd just pick right back yeah. up. We cut like a jazz standard record on Paula Cole. Oh, yeah. Right into, you know, playing Tiny Dancer with Elton John. What a trip. <laughs> you know, what the hell? You know, the funniest, well, it was not so funny. Jim wound up, he wound up leaving that particular tour. Keltner. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it went from double drums to Jay being the sole drummer, mm-hmm. which meant he's having to cover, you know, obviously he's having to cover two drummers parts. But when we got into, I guess that's what they call it, the blues or, or a tiny dancer or whatever, yeah. he's also having to somewhat mimic Nigel, who's also a hi-hat. Yeah, yeah. And I'll never forget to go <laughs> walking out on to the stage at the first sound check and turning around and looking at Jay's drums with a hi-hat. <laughs> Just going, who, what the, who's this guy? <laughs> Part of me, it was like one of the saddest moments of my life. And the other half of me, it was like, this is one of the funniest moments of my life. <laughs> and to yeah. see him back there, he just looked like a little whip kid, you know. But he played it great. Yeah. Yeah, he did, he played a bit of hi hat on the Matt Anderson record that uh, I was like, wow, awesome! I know he's using <laughs> hi hat more and more. He did on the on Paula's yeah. on the jazz record. He might be just having a little uh, resurgence of I love for the hi hat, man. Yeah, I want to think he's like myself, where you know we're basically getting our careers going at the same time. Yeah, and uh, I think Jay 
was looking for his niche to carve, and he certainly did. Yeah. And I was looking for my niche to carve, and, you know, the universe brought us together, yeah. you know, and I don't know. I mean, that we can't second-guess anything. I mean, there could be 10,000 reasons that it happened. But, but it did. Yeah, and here we are. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm very thrilled about it. I am also thrilled by it. Keltner's like our dad of it, you yeah, know. Yeah. He's sort of like been the, the guy spiritual that's... advisor. And and uh, <laughs> we wind up, I guess two or three years ago, we wound up in the band together. And it was at a music cares thing where they're honoring Tom Petty. Yeah. And um, we were the house band that year. And it, it was so great, you know. David Mansfield mm-hmm. from a Rolling View is band leading. Yeah. But the best part was looking over. And seeing Booker T. Oh, man. You know, and it's like, holy cow. Was he in the house band? Booker T's in the band. Wicked. All the times of listening to Duck Dunn and yeah. I'm going, holy shit. Here it is, man. Yeah. Here it is. You've had a lot of those moments in your career. Oh, so many. <laughs> I wake up every morning and pinch myself. Yeah. And I give so many thanks throughout the day, you yeah. know, because it, it is, I'm very thankful. Wow. You know. Anyway, it comes time for the show, and there's all these beautiful singers, and, and uh, you know, the lights sort of come up. When they come up, you know, we're on this stage. It's five feet high. The first table I look at, when I look up, the first guy I'm staring at, eye to eye, is Ringo Starr. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Oh, my God. Booker T to the right, Ringo dead center. <laughs> right, right to Ringo's left. Is Joe Walsh? Oh my God! And I guess they're uh, married. They married sisters or something. Did they really? Oh I think God. so. Yeah. But where it got really sweet to me was right to Ringo's right is Jim Keller. Yeah. You know, so I'm looking at Ringo, Joe Walsh, and Jim Keller, and Jay Bella Rose is right behind me, and it's like, man. And I'm looking at Jay like, you better bring the A game. Yeah. Your seat's a lot hotter than mine tonight. <laughs> but it was so great because Jim, you see him immediately once the lights are all sort of up and he realizes who's in the band. Mm-hmm. You see Jim lean over. And it's like he's, he's it's almost like he's going, that's my boys. Up yeah. And I've never done it in my life and probably never will in my life again. But when the show's over, you know, two hours or whatever it is, you know, the steps that lead down, you know, whatever singer has sang on the steps or whatever, you know, yeah. they're there. I'm walking off the stage and I thought, man, damn, I went down the steps. I thought I'm going to speak to Jim. I'm not, not going to speak to Jim. Yeah. You know, and at least pay some respects. That's Jim Kelton yeah. and Ringo. But, uh, I walked out to Jim and, and his wife, Cynthia. Yeah. You know, I said, Jim, man, it's great to see you. And he said, man, I, I'm so proud. And it was almost like a proud moment for, uh, for Keltner, too. Yeah, you know? yeah. Man, you, you and Jay, I'm like, man, that's, that, that was great. I'm so proud, you know. I'm proud of you guys. And that's the ultimate. That is the ultimate. That right is the absolute ultimate. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's been times that he calls, he's called my house, and I just sit and look at, <laughs> I just look at the caller ID. <laughs> I ain't even going to answer the phone. I'm just going to look. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, he's like, shit, man, look at that. Jim but it's the same, her. man, with the old guys. I, I mm-hmm. have such a huge respect. Like, oh, Lloyd Green. I look yeah. at Lloyd Green as the same. And yeah. there's times that, Lloyd says, he, he, he's called the house, and I'm like, Lloyd Green's calling my house. It says Lloyd Green mm-hmm. right there. Look at that. In my mind, if I ever do get passed out yeah. and I get over it, yeah, I'm hanging it up. I'm done. <laughs> if I wake up that morning and I'm not excited yeah. about playing or um, or seeing those guys, yeah, I won't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. There's just so many great moments. You've had a lot of them. Greg Allman. Yeah, forget it. My God, man. We were there when he came out. Yeah. The, his first concert after the liver mm-hmm. transplant, you know. Amazing. I mean, to be on that stage the so first heavy. time he comes out afterwards. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and, and, uh, That's emotional. To hear Midnight Rider. Yeah. You know, Come be on. sitting there. Come on. 
after you know because it had gotten so emotional and you could hear the a pin drop yeah and we launch in you know with the horn sections yeah george bohannon yeah being one of the trombone players you know from from motown amazing you know sitting there both jim and jay i think were both still on the gig so double drums but you get this emotional thing you know him thinking the donor yeah and the family oh my god and this pin dropped, and everybody's just going, I, I don't, you can imagine. Yeah. Even us as the musicians, we're going, man, we don't know how to think. Mm-hmm. But we launched in to Midnight Rider. Yeah. And when he opened his mouth, man, chills. The lid blew off of the place. Yeah. And you just, I, I was behind him, and I just see everything just. Oh my God. It's almost like he, for me, I step outside of myself and go, hey, who the hell's this guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Strawberry. Yeah. You come a long way, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for sharing all this stuff. It's fantastic. I hope there's not too much. I hope we didn't. No, hell no. Much. There's never too much. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you. I told you this coffee was going to wind up. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for doing this. All right, that was my conversation with Dennis Crouch. I really hope you had a chance to listen to both episodes, both parts of this uh, episode. It was a great conversation and so glad to bring it to you. And thank you for listening. We will see you next month for another gripping episode of Music Makers and Soul Shakers. We'll see you then. Over and out. Thank you for listening, everybody. The Music Makers and Soul Shakers podcast was recorded in Nashville, Tennessee at the Hen House Studio. You can visit us online at www.stevedawson.ca. As always, I would like to thank Jeremy Holmes in Vancouver, BC for his help with research, and we'll see you next month for another gripping episode of Music Makers and Soul Shakers. Music Makers and Soul Shakers